From the crossroads of America in the Hoosier state of Indiana, this is Get In, the podcast focused on the unfolding stories and extraordinary innovations happening right now in the heartland. I'm joined with my co-host, Christopher Tofte, CEO of Elevate Ventures. On the show today is Heather Haas, president at Advisa, and Doug Allgood, president and CEO at Black Inc. IT. The naming of our core values, translating those into behavioral terms, not just values, everybody's got values, they all hang on the wall. I'm talking about getting in a room, everybody really understanding that those values are the pillars of your intentional culture, and every leader has to carry that culture. Heather Haas is the president at Advisa, a company focused on driving change through effective leadership. And Doug Allgood is the president and CEO at Black Inc. IT, an innovative leader in managed technology services. And in today's show, we're gonna cover effective leadership, building an exceptional company culture, attracting and retaining the best talent, and I'm sure so much more. But Heather, Doug, thank you both so much for being here. Thank you no, for having us. Yeah, we are really excited to dive in. And before we dive into all of those topics, I thought it might be helpful just to get a little bit of backstory on each of you and how you, you came to be in the positions that you're at today. Obviously, that's a lot of ground to cover and a lot in your career. But I'm just curious what some of your earliest exposure to business was in your own career or even before you were working. Earliest memories of getting exposure to business, to different companies, different cultures. I think I probably have the most unusual path to getting here in that my early career, I was a teacher and a principal. So I started out in education, which isn't really business, but it's certainly an organization with humans who that you have to get doing things and producing some outcomes. That was really the where I got started and became inspired to really help people reach their potential and understand what makes kids tick but then also became very focused on how to drive change within schools and got my master's in educational leadership and then became very passionate about the idea of leading change and helping people move forward in productive ways. I love that. One of the most important occupations that exists. Right? Yeah. What grade did you teach? I taught sixth grade. Yeah. And then I was an assistant principal at an elementary school and through understanding some of my strengths and gifts and talents, I started to realize maybe I could take some of this outside of public education. And once I did, I never looked back. And to a great extent, what we do at Advisa is still a lot of teaching and learning. So it's very consistent with my roots. I was going to ask, what did you learn as a sixth grade teacher and assistant principal that you still use today in leading your team at Advisa? I think one of the biggest things that I learned in working with kids is that learning is a very social process and kids need to feel safe and connected in order to do good things at school and even outside of school. And honestly, when you're building culture, when you're creating a team, it's the same for adults. People need to feel safe, they need to feel connected, and they need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. A lot of teachers used to get frustrated with kids. Why do I have to learn this? That's the best question anybody can ever ask. Why am I being asked to do this? And if you can help people connect that to the broader business aims, or you can help connect what you're asking people to do to a personal value that they have, then everything becomes much easier. Always easier to start with why. I love that. Yeah. I want to come back to that one here in a little bit. Okay, cool. I like that. Doug, how about you? What, was, what were some of your earliest business and career memories? 
It's exciting to be next to a teacher and a principal. That's why we're all sitting up straight. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, sit up straight. We all got that. (laughs) I changed my major in college from computer science to business systems because I loved the connection of business with technology. It wasn't like it was just cool to me. I really enjoyed learning various facets of business. Even as a foreign exchange student in Sweden, family I worked with, had a, they both worked at Volvo. And just understanding the manufacturing principles at Volvo was so enlightening to me that I went back with a renewed energy towards wanting to understand those techniques. And that's, as I took on more responsibility in my career at various positions, it was always that business mm-hmm. connection that helped me out. And largely at Black Ink, it's the same passion. I love learning how each of the companies we work with and have that pleasure they do things, right? And how they make money and what struggles they have and how technology may be able to help them. I love that intersection too. How did you both meet? How did Black Ink IT and Advisa get connected? Oh my gosh. Years ago we met, I think we brought you in to help with some strategic thinking or some strategic planning a ways back. I'm not sure exactly what the connection was but then have been just in touch and in the same space over time. And uh, we've recently helped Doug and his team with some of that leadership and culture work. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, we all need to seek out and get help from time to time. And Advise has been this great resource for us in developing leadership and what we call a cohort, right? We've got seven of our staff in this leadership cohort at Advisa. And it's been a phenomenal experience. I had actually worked with Heather's team early on years ago, even before I did the strategy work, learning about predictive index and how that could be used in recruiting and understanding ourselves and the power of that tool and better discovering our, the way we think and the way we might behave and act towards certain situations. And so that has continued to be a strong part of what Advisa does, along with their team helping us kind of work through the journey of what it means and what it feels like to be a leader. And this cohort's just having a phenomenal time. Why do you think that in business, we don't think about coaching? And so in sports, everybody has a coach. And even these things we call goats have coaches. Yeah. And they never go a year or a day without having a coach, maybe a day, but they, no, no time passes without a coach. Why is that a an afterthought in business. Like, why doesn't everybody have a coach, especially the CEO or the leadership team? Yeah, I I think ego sometimes gets in the way. We get out of college or we complete our master's or an advanced degree, and then we start to progress through an organization, and we think we're supposed to have all the answers. And we always talk a lot with our clients about leaders don't have the best answers. They ask the best questions. Yeah. Leading isn't about telling. It's about serving. So it's the juxtaposition. Often it's the opposite. The coaching. It is a fascinating dynamic. Most leaders that we work with are tragically, and I, that's a strong word, but I would say tragically underskilled and undersupported mm-hmm. for what they're being asked to do with people who are relying on them to provide direction and guidance. And, and they're all of them. extremely lonely. Oh, the Surgeon General, I don't know if you saw it, just came out saying there's an epidemic of loneliness. They use yeah. that word in this country. And when organizations were filled with people, you have all these lonely individuals, but I would say leaders even more so are 
lonely and struggling with, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. And instead of naming it and then seeing what happens when everybody chimes in, I don't either. <laughs> How about we figure this out or and get a, lot a coach? Of, and or a lot of those leaders yeah. think they're the only ones. And oh my gosh, I don't want to say anything because I'm the only one that feels this way. I'm the only one that has these thoughts and I'm a loser and I'm an idiot and I don't want to be discovered that I'm a fraud. It's like a lot of these thoughts that go through leaders' minds. Yeah. And they don't realize it's going through everybody's minds. And the most in, the most endearing or something you can do to really solder connections between people is be vulnerable like that. Doug said, you said sometimes we have to ask for help. And when we actually say that, other people, their guard starts to come 100%. down. 100%. And yeah. it just creates this amazing culture of reality and safety and Realness. openness. Yeah. It's amazing. Quick break from our normal programming. I have Erica Schweier, COO from Elevate Ventures here in the studio today. Erica, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're going to tell us a little bit about this Rally Innovation Conference that's coming up. Yep. So it's the largest cross-sector innovation conference in the world. We're going to feature six innovation studios. So think hard tech, software, sports tech, ag and food, healthcare, and entrepreneurship is going to kind of be our catch-all. I love that. So tell me what is, who's it for? Yeah, it's for innovators, entrepreneurs, investors. Honestly, anybody probably listening to this podcast. And it's going to be a multi-day thing that's multi -day. happening in downtown Indianapolis. Yep. People coming in from all over the country and maybe even all over the world to be here. That's our hope. Yep. And the dates are actually August 29th to the 31st. Perfect. And if people want to find out more information about speakers, tickets, things like that, where can they go? Yeah. So they just go to rallyinnovation.com and sign up for communications. And they can also get their tickets. I love it. You heard it here at rallyinnovation.com. We'll, we'll see, see you, you there. there. We all, most of us, I think our first sort of exposure to leadership is being led by others. I'm curious if either of you had leaders that for you made a big impact and what maybe about their leadership style made an impact. Yeah, so I had a manager at Beringer Mannheim, which was Roche, and uh, that particular individual not only invested in me as a person and got to know me as a person, but also got to coach into my life. And that's really where this first notion of coaching as a leadership style instead of supervising mm -hmm. came to mind. Interesting. It's between yeah. Frank Douglas and I don't know, I've got probably a dozen that I can rattle off that said, these are things that you need to think about as you interact with others and going and seeking help. And to me, that's where this whole notion of community, when we talk about community, to me, community is I think about the other leaders that I know that I meet with on a regular basis that are free to talk with me about, Doug, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And then helping my team begin to plug in to the community the same way, right? I've got a young guy who's running marketing and it's, have you thought about meeting with other marketing folks and that are similar position that you're in and you guys get together and form a group to have yeah. that authentic discussion and to be vulnerable and to talk through what you're doing and then bringing in enlightened folks from time to time that have a little bit more experience. But to me, it's having that community of people that you can rest and talk with and feel vulnerable with to me that that becomes so important. It's awesome that you get to see that kind of modeled in early leaders for you and yeah. now get to pass that on. That first person, that, that was Frank Douglas. Yeah. So yeah. Frank, if you're listening, <laughs> Doug wants to give you a big fat thank you. Yeah. Shout out to Frank. So I mentioned that on purpose because sometimes we forget to go tell those mm -hmm. made massive differences yeah. in our lives. They don't realize they made a massive difference in our lives and taking that one moment to grab a drink, grab dinner, make a phone call to say thank you is is of like just the power of one. Absolutely. Right?
So important. Do you have a leader, Heather, that I have several. I think I'm blessed to say that in in education, in my early career, I had some great examples of leadership. One that comes to mind, Rich Reasoner. So thank you, Rich Reasoner. (laughs) If you're listening, he was an assistant principal and I had hall duty with Rich and what that means. And so I taught sixth grade, which at that time the school was six, seven, eight. So hall duty meant I had to get there early and stay late while the kids were walking around the lockers in the hallway. So I had a lot of time with Rich. And he just used to talk to me about the importance of getting to know students. And I watched him walk around and joke with kids and talk with kids and just interact. And so I guess the headline on that management by walking around, I think, would be the official management term for what he was really good at. But I watched it. And when you invest in building relationships with people, then when a kid would get in trouble or something would happen, he had that relationship and it made whatever needed to happen next. And often he was able to help a kid before it got to be a big disciplinary thing because that relationship was there. So that was a great example. And then when I joined Advisa back in 2004, I joined as a trainer. So I didn't I didn't know I was going to end up in the president chair when I joined the company. And Bob Wilson, the owner and founder of Advisa, was an incredible leader for me in that he recognized that he needed to give me runway to just try things and figure things out on my own and make mistakes and then seek him out for the coaching after I made the mistake rather than micromanaging. And he understood my predictive index, of course. So he knew that I was very driven and independent, someone who would learn by doing versus learn best by someone telling me how to do it. And that was absolutely transformative for me, having that space and that kind of encouragement really allowed me to flourish. Back to that student in the hallway analogy. So how has COVID changed leadership? where it's harder to have those in-person interactions, building relationships. What thoughts do you all have about that? Oh, man, there's a great HBR article called, I think it's called Managers Can't Do It All. But the basis of the article is essentially you have all these managers out there who before COVID, they were killing it. I'm doing great. My team's hitting their goals. I feel good at my job. COVID happens, the world is disrupted, life is disrupted, we come back and everything's different, right? Now it's like I'm managing a hybrid team and I don't really know how to do that. And now I have more on my plate and things are all misaligned, et cetera. And so the stress of it and the pressure to perform, it's even greater. So to your point, Toph, about not being able to have those connections, One of the things we're hearing most frequently is help us rekindle our culture and genuine connection in a hybrid and still remote work environment because I can't do the walking around. So that's a huge challenge and there are definitely tips and ways to do that, but I'll let Doug chime in here too. Well, fortunately, I had the opportunity to work for a couple of global companies and those various roles, most of my staff in both organizations were all outside the United States and the cultures were all different. It's fun to talk about the French and the German and all these different cultures, right? Indian and so forth. But as I went through that whole process, our training was around how do you intentionally connect? 
And so to me, it's no different than with COVID even now. You've got to set up some intentional time to get to know the people in your team and to create moments where, you know, hey, we're just going to talk about life. And we're going to try to understand then, Toph, you're so good at this, asking these thoughtful questions, follow-up questions, things that allow you to really understand the person and get to know them. And that's the way we had to interact. And so then when you would have meetings, global meetings, you'd get together it just helped accelerate that relationship. But at the end of the day, you had to be intentional with yeah. setting up time to talk. And I still think that's true now with our teams. That's yeah, we call that connection before content. That's one of the skills that we're teaching leaders is that's not wasted time shooting the breeze a little bit before a meeting starts or coming up with a thoughtful question to do a quick go around. Hey, what's on your bucket list this summer? Real quick, I'd like to hear from everybody. Once you build that muscle of doing that, even if you're on Zoom, you'd be amazed, like Doug said, how you start to look forward to it. Have you ever worked with leaders that are on the other end of the spectrum, maybe a little bit more of the Michael Scott from the office, <laughs> who's, who is all management by walking around and all <laughs> trying to build, make friends out of their uh-huh. team? Yeah, we have a we have a two by two matrix that we talk about. It's got connection on one of the axis and competence on the other. And so, yes, you have leaders that fall into these four quadrants. Some leaders are really gifted at connecting and shooting the breeze, and their likability is off the chart, but perhaps less competent at delivering results, doing their job. Maybe they don't have the technical skills. So for those leaders, we have affection for them, but we don't really respect them because they can't coach us if they're not competent. Sometimes you have the reverse. You have highly technically competent leaders, but really low on their ability to connect with others. Mm. We would respect them, but potentially we might not follow them because we're not sure that they even know us, let alone care about us. So we're always trying to help leaders build both. You've got to learn the skills for how to be emotionally present and connect with people, build relationships, as well as build your technical capability, because that's that overlap there is where you have the greatest capacity to coach people successfully. Because if you're going to coach me and I'm going to trust you, I have to believe that you have my back and that you know me as a human, and I have to trust that you know your stuff. That's a helpful framework. Yeah, 100%. I'm like, this is, I'm getting so much value here right now. <laughs> How do you, so you mentioned, I always forget all the personality tests. One thing I've never been good at is, and I've played around with those tests before and I've looked at them and it, it, with different teams, et cetera. But I always forget. Like, so <laughs> I, like I see Heather tomorrow morning and I'm like, mm, what was she now? Am I supposed to, what are some, what, what are techniques or things that you can do that you, you've de, you, that you teach or that you've deployed that help you keep in front of mind how you best interact with that different personality? For me, and a lot of this has come from Advisa, right? But for me personally, I have to remember who I am. And it starts there because I would be, we actually have a very similar chart. It's funny, yeah, have a do. results and behaviors <clears throat> matrix, right? Four quadrants, right? You want to be in the leader quadrant. But that behavior, <laughs> right? And, and for me... <laughs> For me, that quadrant that I would be in would be he gets stuff done, yeah. a lot of dead bodies along the way, because mm-hmm. I'm so focused, so driven. Yeah. And in fact, one of those profiles said, 
would would sell his own mother to. Control. And I well, remember for a lot. I remember looking at my team going, "Is that really true?" And they're like, and they're like it's awesome. "So that that self awareness." I'm mean, like, "Man, that's just not who I want to be." And yeah. that self awareness, and then you have that self awareness. So then it's I could begin to tell what others are right through the training and all this. You begin to get a feeling. But at the end of the day, what I have to remember most is when am I at my best and what are the things I have to be aware of and my self-awareness about how I choose, right? Because I do care about people. So how do I choose to do things a little bit different and what are techniques that I can employ in my own style that help me keep that front and center? Is there Are there any examples that come to mind over the last year? You're like, you know what? I've started doing X and that has been super helpful starting meetings and my interactions with others about checking in to see who they are first, because I can be, I could on my drive into work, it's, man, I got all these things. Hey, this is so exciting. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And if somebody's come into the office and just had a flat tire, or got pulled right. over or something, they're just not going to, it's just mm-hmm. not going to resonate. So that, that suggestion that Heather had is what I've actually tried to deploy more is to get a check-in where we at. And I get ideas from others, right? Somebody said to me the other day, one of their they start off some of their calls. And one of them was, hey, when you, sh- when you shower, do you intentionally wash your feet or do you just let the suds <laughs> flow over? Right? That's good. It's and good you just go around. Too. It's just create a way, almost uh-huh. like an icebreaker, create a way to get a connection and then see where people are and checking in. That's what yeah. I have to do. For the record, I- I'm a foot washer. Yeah, <laughs> I am too. I'm a Me foot too. washer. Now that you say that, I feel like we all have I to. Like, That's a really great question. Name um, it. Yeah. I? I can relate to that so much. I'm very much, okay, it's time for a stand-up. Stand-up starts with, what would we do last time? And if I don't see anyone else taking the lead, then I lead by example by doing that. And it's hard to know those times where it's, okay, is this a time to be efficient? Yeah. And communicating like what got done and what needs to get done? Or is this a time and kind of almost like reading the room, which is so much harder in a virtual it <laughs> is. environment. And I think you can be reactive to reading the room. But another really important skill for a leader is you don't always, sometimes there isn't time to go around and connect with people. No. We have a really important or urgent matter that has to be dealt with and But often what leaders forget to do is be explicit about naming what we're about to do. Mm -hmm. So to begin a meeting where you usually have an icebreaker or you have a little fun to get going to say, hey, team, today we've got something really serious we've got to talk about. I'm actually going to skip the icebreaker and we're going to get right down to business. Ooh, okay. Now people know where they are and that's very subtle, but now people can adjust and they're ready to receive whatever it is. Mm. Usually it's the unpredictability of a leader's behavior that causes people to be wary or step back. It's, ooh, I don't know what he's going to do or say today, or ooh, what mood is she in? You can learn to be more explicit about your intentions, about your expectations, and just communicate. That's great advice. And then people are like, oh, okay, I know what we're doing. That's perfect. I love that. I do too. Do you have any other tips for leading in a hybrid work environment? You mentioned earlier that's something that you're seeing a lot of leaders struggle with. In the hybrid work world today, what are some of the top tips that you've given consistently or your team has given consistently to leaders? One of the most important things of leading in a hybrid work environment is clarity about work objectives. If you're not going to be seeing people around the office and in the hallway where you can just like, hey, quick thing, Matt, I just wanted to double check. Like those little roundbacks and confirmations are tougher. Yeah, you can slack, but 
being super clear about what is the work and how do we both know if it's being done effectively or well, I think is very important. We can't assume people know what success looks like in the role. And I think the other tip is you've got to ratchet up the frequency and the quality of your one-on-ones in a hybrid. And Doug, I'm sure you can speak to this as well, but you've got to, even if it's 15 minutes, one-on-ones take a ton of time. I was guilty this week of canceling one myself. Sometimes you have to, but they're so important because if you're doing the one-on-one, then when you're seeing that person in their little Zoom tile on, on your laptop screen, you've got more of the context. It's bigger than the box. But if all you're ever doing is hopping on to those Zoom meetings with those little tiles, you're not doing the one-on-one conversations, you're going to be really limited, I think, in your ability to understand people's situations and to give feedback and to coach. That's great advice. Yeah, what, we what do the one-on-ones. Yeah, we do these one-on-ones as well. So every person that's in a role, that's in a kind of a coaching role, if you will, does the one-on-ones. And we've tried to go like every other week, and we've tried, and it's no, we've got to have that. And sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, but the check-in, that's where that personal connection can come into play so that when you do have the larger meetings where you've got to get everybody together, you can get down to business because you, you feel like I at least know what's going on in the lives of mm-hmm. my team what things they're dealing with, but at the same time, that's where, and they've got to prepare the agenda, right? I don't prepare the agenda. So they come with the agenda. We know what we're going to go through and they know that they got to come with, Hey, so we're going to do a little check-in. You doing okay. But part of that check-in is where are you at on, on your goals, right? Are you I love that. those goals? And it, where you've been clear about the performance expectations, you can flip the script like Doug was just describing and have the empowerment. Right? Yeah. It, it's when the employee isn't crystal clear that the manager has to be leading it and directing it because the employee has not been empowered to take personal accountability for those results and drive it. I love all of these tips for people who are in an active leadership position. It does seem to me, talking to a lot of 20-somethings right out of college, almost everyone wants to be on a leadership path someday. What can someone in their early career do today to help prepare themselves and maybe even show to their manager that they have leadership potential? I get asked this a lot. I think there are three things that are really important for early career people. I think the first thing is building your network, your relationships within your organization, also relationships outside your organization like Doug was describing earlier. Because a lot of these younger folks that are entering the work environment, even some of the best and brightest that I've had the opportunity to interact with, they are coming in with different strengths and challenges than some of the other generations in the workforce. And I think some of those folks have a real opportunity to grow that relational, connecting, communicating in a business context kind of way. So that's huge. Put yourself out there, set coffee, set meetings, ask people, think in your organization, who do I admire? Who impresses me for whatever reason? And then take the initiative like, hey, Matt, I'd love to grab coffee with you. You're someone that I've admired in the organization, and I would just love to hear more about your journey. So that all falls into the connecting bucket. I think the second thing that's really critical for early career people is Get results. 
a lot of times people are saying, why did I, why didn't I, or I want to, and can I have, and I want the best way to lay down the groundwork to make more money or get promoted or move teams or whatever you want to do is get results and then don't be shy about making sure the right people know about those results. Not in a braggadocious kind of way, but in a, hey, I just completed this and I'd love to sit down, Toph, and just talk through this with you because I'm really proud of it. Wouldn't you be delighted for a young person in your company to say yeah. that? People that bring solutions. And bring Absolutely. A, like, this is what I think. It might be wrong. Right. And it might not get accepted or whatever, or it might be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Bringing those solutions and not in a braggadocious way, you will... Sh- Skyrocket. You will absolutely will. And then the third thing I think for early career people is focus on learning. Prioritize your own learning and development, which is why communities like Powder Keg are so important, where you can get young people connected. They have access, especially in Indiana. You have more access to really powerful, high-achieving entrepreneurs and people than any of these other major cities. So get out there and start learning from people in informal ways, but also informal ways. Don't, I guess what I'm saying is don't always rely on your organization to orchestrate and lay out the learning path for you. Some of you may be blessed to be in an organization like that. Most of you are not. (laughs) Yeah, that's all very actionable. I love that. Anything you would add, Doug? Those points are perfect, I mean, but I would elaborate a little bit on the fact that not everybody's going to get a trophy. So we're what? looking at changing. <laughs> yeah, we're changing. They're, we're coming into an environment where not everybody's going to get a blue ribbon. Not everybody's going to get the trophy. And what are the things that you need to do? And action really is the key word here. Take action on those things. And you look at it and you're like, in education, we're going to we're going to hand you the curriculum. We're going to hand you the syllabus and you got to do this. You got to do this. Some of this stuff's gray. Right. And the people that do the best are those Most that it's great. Right. That begin to grab on to, OK, what can I do? Asking thoughtful questions, getting out there and doing things. And I would second what powder cake is doing in terms of creating community is so powerful mm-hmm. for that group to be able to come together and see others. And I think one of my kids early on, we went to a basketball camp, right? And at the end of camp, they gave out these different awards that weren't always about who got the most baskets. And then going forward, every other camp season, those kids picked up on, hey, there's going to be some things. So the things I do matter. And I think seeing others get rewarded, they pick up on what did they do to get rewarded? They, they did these things, right? They stepped out and achieved results, got things done and contributed and they interacted. And I think that's what's going to move the needle for them. How about visualization? And both for folks coming up they're just getting started in their careers or for leaders. Talk a little bit about how you think about visualization. And uh, I won't go on the goal setting of, of yoga Nidra, but, uh, <laughs> but talk a little bit about that. How important is it for people to actually take a moment and relax and focus and really visualize their path or what success looks like or what they're trying to achieve? Any thoughts around that? I think it's tremendously important. I used to a little quick teaching aside, I used to do this career unit with my sixth graders. And the way, and it started with, they had to write a personal mission statement. And so I would teach them what is a mission statement. But I started the unit with a quote on the board from Alice in Wonderland. And I'm going to botch it all up here because I'm trying to recall it on the fly. But Alice is lost in the woods and she comes upon the Cheshire cat. And she looks at the cat and she says, which way do I go from here? 
And the cat looks at her and says, I don't know. It depends. Where are you trying to get to? And she said, I don't know. And the cat says, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Oh, I love that. And I, so I used to that use... That just give me chills. Yeah. So I would use that, though, with kids, even at that age, and start to say, you have to be able to visualize in your mind's eye, whatever your situation or circumstance is in your family or your gifts or your talents or whatever it is, you have to be able to think about where might I want to go? And then imagine yourself traveling that path or becoming that basketball player or whatever the case may be. I think it's super powerful. And then setting the goals or then breaking that up. What are the steps between here and there? But you'd be surprised. Some people don't naturally think that way. Some of us are naturally very goal-oriented. We're naturally strategic and planners. We begin with the end in mind. A lot of even really talented leaders don't naturally think that way. So you have to help them realize the path there. And the you've got to think it before you can do it or be it, I think. Yep. Doug, what are some of the lessons you've learned in goal setting and visualization as you've scaled Black Inc. IT? We do have a career action plan that we do with each of our employees that helps, but I really think Heather's teaching background, to me, this is that word picture is so powerful. Yeah. And so to me, that is those moments where we are teaching. We are trying to set up intentional things, right? Provide word pictures. Heather's got a bunch of them, right? She even talks about interviewing, seeing somebody in a, they're in a box, right? And so how do you begin to poke holes <coughs> into that box to visualize <laughs> or to see who that candidate is, right? And so I think those word pictures that you come up with and you hear are the things that we have to talk about in our organizations. And we have to spend time going through that because that's how people are going to learn. And I, some, pe- some of us come from homes where mom and dad were talking about these business things on the mm-hmm. kitchen table. Not all of the people in our lives, the humans in our lives that we come aren't going to have those opportunities, which is why Providence Crystal Ray is so powerful at putting these yes. kids yeah. in, in our environment. And how do we intentionally engage with them? This is why, to me, I love this community aspect and then how we engage and then attend things like Power Cake events when Tove's speaking or others. Especially when Tove's speaking. Yes, <laughs> especially. And then, I, like I said, I think reaching out to companies like Advisa has been helpful for us because, again, Heather's got a great group of coaches that are helping coach and using these word pictures. And then they come back with those word pictures and then can explain it to somebody else. And that's what, to me, is helping our organization scale and grow. I love that. Yeah, and I would just add the connectivity of the metaphors of the word pictures. That's brain science. When you understand how the human brain learns, I mentioned at the top of this, there's an element of social learning, yes, and our brains are wired to create connection and, and patterns and link things so that when you can use another modality rather than just telling someone something with a string of words and you can, like, Doug said, use a word picture or some kind of metaphor that might connect with them in a different way. That's typically what sticks. I love that. And one, thank you both for the kind words about Powder Keg. I respect you both so much as leaders and the teams that you have built. And I've watched from afar as you've both grown your teams. I'm curious to learn a little bit of the secret sauce. What is it about the way you've approached your own leadership and then even witnessed in other companies that they're doing to attract and retain the best talent and build great companies? 
When I had the opportunity, when the owner and founder of Advisa approached me and said, I don't want to run this day to day anymore. I think you're the person, you have a vision. I had to do some soul searching. My husband and I were both working at the time. We had two kids. We wanted a third. I knew what it was going to take to grow the company in the way that I wanted to. All that is to say, I kind of in the cold light of dawn where I was journaling and really thinking about, am I going to take this on? Can I do, first of all, can I even do this? <laughs> do I want to do this? And what am I going to sacrifice to do this? What I came down to was I have to work with people that I like, respect, can learn from, and care about. And I got to get rid of the people that don't meet that criteria. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to be a culture first leader. I'm going to create the kind of company that when my kids say to me, mom, why can't, why weren't you at my field trip? Or why were you home late tonight? Or why are you so stressed out? Any of those things, anyone who's running an organization feels those things from time to time, from time to time, that I could look them in the eye and say, because I'm doing really cool things at work and I'm changing companies and changing lives with what we do. And sometimes that means I might not be at every field trip, but I'm doing it with really wonderful people and we're doing incredible work for our clients, and that's worth it. And so for me, articulating our culture, in ter- and it's, it's funny because it's exactly what we're selling and doing for clients now, but the naming of our core values, translating those into behavioral terms, not just values, everybody's got values, they all hang on the wall. I'm talking about like getting in a room, everybody really understanding that those values are the pillars of your intentional culture, And every leader has to carry that culture, personify those values, coach them, recognize them, and hold people accountable to them. And once you do that, and assuming you're hiring people with the technical capabilities and all the other things, I mean, your organization is going to flourish because people feel connected to that heartbeat, to that corporate character that you've created, and it's magnetic. And to, to the challenge everyone's facing, I can't find people and I'm losing people. Focus on building that culture in a very authentic way and prioritize it. And you'll be amazed how the people who align with that will stick. I, yeah, you can't serve your customer if you don't serve each other. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, I love the word magnetic because it, it is what's going to attract the right person. But just like a magnet, it's also going to repel Correct. the person that's not going to thrive there. That's why you should never hold back or be bashful about talking about your values. Because if you've done the hard work like Doug and his team has to get to those two or three or five or whatever, lead with those. 100%. Because job description doesn't matter. No. It's not a culture fit. That's right. Yeah. Lead with those values and then people are going to latch on to that or they're going to be like, "Eh, no, yeah, I'm not interested in a company that's all about teamwork or whatever. Doug, what else have you learned in building that magnetic culture? Black Ink IT has won so many powder keg company culture awards, other awards for best employer. No, we've been so blessed with that. But one of the things that Heather's talking about is those values can't be wall art. That's the word that advisor would use is you don't want these to be wall art, that you've got to live them. And so for me, I also think that as leaders, we have to have a strong why because it's hard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. We gave this leadership cohort an assignment recently, right? And as a case study to solve some communication issues internally, and they're still struggling with it. And 
that's really was the intent. One is to get them to work together, learn how to storm, norm, and form, <laughs> but as well as to see some of these things are hard. And so I think you have to have a really strong why as to why you're going to do it and why you're going to make these sacrifices. And then for me personally, some of this was around this whole notion of a legacy. Toph was telling us before we got on here about some life events that he'd been through lately. And so you kind of look at those things and you say, what am I about, right? And if I want to leave a legacy, really ultimately the legacy I'm going to live is the impact I'm going to have on the people that I work with because I'm spending a lot of time with them, let's face it. And so to me, then it's this opportunity of how do I speak into their life in a way and get to know them in a way that even if they're only in the company a couple of years, because some of these young folks that we bring in, they're doing great things. And although we want to believe we're going to have ways for them to grow and stay in the company forever, and that's certainly what I care about, right? But the reality is they're going to go do other things. And what I want them to do is to do great things and look back on that experience and say, that experience helped propel me, right? And how do we be about propelling future leaders in our community, future great company entrepreneurs, future people who are just going to do a great job at teaching or whatever, whatever path they end up on. And that's, to me, the part that I think we can have a huge impact on. And that's my personal why that kind of keeps me engaged and investing in the lives of these other people that we're gifted to have. What's your personal why, Tov? My personal why? That, is, keep, that keeps you going with Elevate. Yeah, my, I, I, Even though today was your best day. Oh, with Elevate. You said personal. Well, personal why... I, I, Okay, I get two very distinct texts. My personal why... Let's hear both. I don't even know if I can say this without (laughs) getting emotional. My personal why, I'm going to say it fast so I can get out of my system. I want my son to grow up someday and say that I was his biggest mentor. Okay. (laughs) He did it. The why for Elevate is we want Indiana to be the innovation capital world. That's it. And that even right there, that he could rattle both of those things off, that's so inspiring. Nobody can listen to, to, to a leader who's genuine and honest about that and not be like, that's fantastic. I want to be attached to someone who's that clear mm-hmm. about who they are and why they're doing what they're doing, which sometimes when we bring leaders together for these year-long academy journeys, sometimes we've occasionally had leaders who get in the beginning and they're like, why are you making us do this leadership why stuff? What why can we just get to the meat of it? Yeah. We're spinning Hi. our <laughs> the dugs, right? No. But I've been challenged before, even by a CEO, for example, who has sent his senior team and he's hey, they told me the first day all you guys did was talk about strengths and self-awareness <laughs> and like you know, go around and share about everybody's why. And the reason that you do that is because our strength as leaders and as humans, comes from knowing who we are and being clear about our own values and aspirations. If you can't master that, you can't lead people. People aren't going to follow someone who's uncertain or inconsistent in their messaging or in the direction of what they're doing or in any of those kind of things. And that is not to say a lot of people, in fact, I just read a great or listen to a great podcast about let's stop telling people to find their passion. So I'm not trying to say that everybody is clear about that out of the gate. What I am saying is we have to create opportunities for people to spend some time thinking about it. 
And it can change, right? It right. can totally yeah. change. And Discover we've, it by doing different things. Yeah. yeah, and by putting yourself in community with different people who you can observe how Doug's doing it, and he can think about what I'm doing. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you do need to start to try to discover who you really are and what really matters to you. It's hard to connect and relate to other people if you're not connected or related to yourself. Yes. That's right. Yeah, I think that's a great insight. And the things are going to change. Yeah. Before you have kids, that's one right. thing. Now right. you get, I got Absolutely. five, and yeah, obviously investing there, it's going to have a huge return. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Wish I had five. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. You well, get I, five graduations, and I only get one. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> are you ready to transform your brand with award-winning video content that captures your vision and connects with your audience? Check out Alchemy, the experts at building your brand using video. From story-driven social media snippets that leave a lasting impression to compelling full-length documentaries, they have got the expertise to take your brand to the next level. Alchemy is actually our video partner here on Get In, and they do amazing work. All the videos across social, across YouTube, all that is done by Alchemy, and they're an amazing partner to work with. Reach out to me, Nate, at Powder Keg, or check out alchemyfilmco.com to get connected with Alden and his team. They will take care of all of your video needs. I could it talk about this for another five hours. We joked earlier about this being a six-hour podcast, but we're coming up to the end of our time. It's time for one of our favorite parts of the podcast, which is the lightning round. Toph, would you like to lead the lightning round? Sure, absolutely. I would love to. And we're going to do, we're gonna go do one, 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 one. Yeah, I, I think one, 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 one. So, okay. So it's three questions, rapid fire. First thing that comes to your mind, no wrong answers. Okay. Yeah, it's quick and easy. All right. We're going to start off with Heather. Are you ready? All right. Outside of the amazing entrepreneurial ecosystem, what is Indiana known for? Hospitality. Who's your hospitality? Love it. Great answer. All right, Doug. Outside of the amazing entrepreneurial ecosystem, what is Indiana known for? Our campgrounds. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. I like it. That's, That's a great, good. Great I've been answer. to several of them. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my state park pass. <laughs> It's like one of the three cards I carry in my wallet. Oh, there it is. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Was it? I, I, there's several people I've seen that have these goals that, to go hit every state park, oh, every yeah. national park. It's oh. so awesome. I know. Right? It's yeah, so cool. totally. So amazing. All right, question number two. What is a hidden gem in Indiana? Ooh. You already said, you said campgrounds, but I think there are definitely some hidden gem parks all over. Even in, I live in Carmel, even the park system in, in Carmel is amazing. There's a really cool campground in Noblesville where my father-in-law always takes our kids in his VW bus. But nearby, there's this super cool archery range where you can, there's just all kinds of, even in these smaller communities, if you're willing to get out of the city and just go out a little bit, I think you'll find lots of nature and lots of cool active things to do outdoors, even though we don't have ocean or mountains. Get. Did you know that the largest municipal park in the country is right here in Indianapolis? I did not. Central Park. What is it? Remember? I thought it was second it's, to Central Park. I think it's bigger. I don't know. Somebody told us that on this podcast. Someone told us. That <laughs> oh, I'll take their word for it. Okay. Yeah. Trust but verify. Third. <laughs> third. Oh. Third biggest. Oh, third. We just okay. we have it from the But, but from, it is bigger than Central Park, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, number three, but bigger than Central Park. Yeah. Doug, what is a hidden gem in Indiana? I love the CICP. 
I yeah. love this notion that we've got a group that has biosciences, technology, ag, and I think of those three in particular, right? I see all the work that you're doing right now, TOF, with ag and knowing that I got farming families, right? And just seeing what we're doing there. And it's, this is what's changing the world, right? Yep. To me, the impact that we can have in Indiana in those areas, I just, I love it that we've made that intentional investment. One of my favorite, I just got chills again. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> One of my favorite things that Mitch Frazier says is, it's the only industry that touches every person every day on the planet. Oh, that's great. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's true. All right, here we go. The third and final lightning round question, Heather. Who is someone that we need to keep on our radar? Someone who is doing big things. Ooh, gosh. I think there are so many people doing big things in Indiana. I would point to any of the startups and entrepreneurs that you guys have in the community who are launching businesses and getting it all figured out and doing the hard work every day. I don't know that I can name any names, but I think anybody who gets in the arena Ooh. and is willing to put their time, put their money and take the risks, those are the people you want to watch because they're going to change the world. Love Great it. answer. All right, Doug, you're going to round it out. Who is someone that we need to keep on our radar? Someone who is doing big things. Don Lamb just recently took over the ag, speaking of ag, right? Just recently took over director of agriculture. He's a farmer in Indiana, right? Understands what farming really means. And he talked to me about the other day, just the investment that we make in that industry, right? And the number of jobs that creates and the fact that's something that's feeding the world. It's just powerful. But I see the things that he's wanting to do under the current administration and things to drive there. It's going to it's going to change. It's going to create life change. That's exciting. That's the first yeah. first we've gotten that one. But that yeah. sounds like something awesome. we need to have on our podcast. Yep. Thank you both so much for taking time and sharing a little bit of your story and all of your wisdom. I would love to continue the conversation another time on a future episode. And for those who want to learn more about Advisa and Black Ink IT, We'll link all that up in the show notes and make sure we have links to your social profiles and hopefully people get a little bit more connected and get in on the awesome things that you're both doing. Thank, thank you. you. This has been thank a blast. You. Thanks awesome. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. This has been Get In, a Powder Kick production in partnership with Elevate Ventures. And we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions for a guest or a segment, reach out to Matt or Nate on LinkedIn or on email. To discover top-tier tech companies outside of Silicon Valley in hubs like Indiana, check out our newsletter at powderkeg.com slash newsletter. And to apply for membership to the Powder Keg executive community, check out powderkeg.com slash premium. We'll catch you next time and next week as we continue to help the world get in. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company, Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.